Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode number 69 of the Hashtag Mom Life Podcast. I'm your host, Cynthia Blaze, and this is the show all about thriving in the mom stage in life. We're speaking with real mamas, hearing their stories, and learning from their faith journeys. We're all just trying to do our best to raise our kids, right? And sometimes that's messy. My hope is that this podcast will encourage you ladies as you go through your daily routine, as you shuttle your kids between activities or run your errands or get your sweat on in a good workout. On this episode, I've asked Allie Murphy to share the content of her breakout session in the One Day Women's Conference from last October. For those of you who missed the conference or were so mad you couldn't go to all the seminars, this is for you. Allie is an incredible teacher and isn't afraid to get raw and real. She shares honestly about her marriage and her own struggles. If you're ready to get authentic in your faith journey, dive in with me. Okay, ladies, get your tissue boxes and get ready for a seriously authentic story of faith. We're beginning a series of four episodes where we share the content of the breakout sessions of our seen, heard, loved Women's One Day Conference from last October. I asked four incredible women of faith to share the story of a woman who encountered Jesus. The question I asked at the conference was, how did Jesus see these women? And what do we learn about how Jesus sees us? Today, my friend and incredible teacher, Allie Murphy, is going to share how she came to a tearful epiphany while studying Mary Magdalene. Allie, I have heard so much about your talk, such incredible feedback from the women who attended. And I think I'm doing this interview selfishly because since I was preparing for my own talks and helping run the event, I didn't get to hear you at the conference. And I've been really, really looking forward to this moment and hearing you right now. So let's just start by introducing yourself. Hi, Allie. Hi. Uh, Tell me a little bit about who you are. I know you've been on this podcast before, but just remind us um, just a little bit about who you are. Sure. Um, I have three um, healthy, wonderful kids, ages 10, 7, and 2. Um, I'm married to Matt, and um, I'm a full-time stay-at-home mom, which is awesome and full of opportunities <laughs> to build skills and values um, in these amazing children that God has blessed me with. Awesome. And you were a teacher for 13 years? I was a teacher for 13 years. I taught... Um, Seventh grade English for thirteen years, yeah, and we still we still see that teacher in you constantly. <laughs> um, when I asked you to pick a woman from the Gospels to dive deep into her story, you chose Mary Magdalene. Why? Well, it's funny. Um, I didn't know much about the women in the Gospels, and I knew that there were several Marys, and the only Mary that kept coming up for me was Mary Magdalene. And I know that now God put that on my heart, but honestly, I think it's because um, her name is alliterative, (laughs) Mary Magdalene, and obviously I have a thing for alliterative names. I have Mia Murphy. My son is Matt Murphy. My husband's Matt Murphy, so I just love the the (laughs) Eminem. And honestly, that's why I think I chose Mary Magdalene. I don't. I didn't have a whole lot of knowledge about her at all. Um, I, she the, had a great name. <laughs> she just had a good alliterative <laughs> name. It spoke to my poet soul. <laughs> that is so funny. Um, so I love it that you kind of went in blind. Um, and at your seminar, you went through five messages that took you through the story of Mary Magdalene. Mm-hmm. Um, what I would love to do today is to focus this podcast and walking us through those messages. So sure, sure. let's just dive in. So sure. um, give us the first message. Okay. Um, well, one thing that I wanted to do quickly before we start is just to pray. Um, and listeners, if you'll pray with us, that would be great. Just right now, stop what you're doing and close your eyes. Get on your knees if you if you want to. Um, dear Lord. Thank you for the women listening to this podcast and men, if they're listening. Thank you for the light that they bring into this world and help them unpack their baggage today while listening to this. Change them. Let the unseen feel seen. Let the unloved walk out of listening to this beloved. Let the unappreciated walk out encouraged and help me be the realest version of myself so that we all feel vulnerable, which is where real change happens. Lord, please be in this room. Be with the people that are listening right now. Let us feel your spirit move among us. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ali. Sure. The reason why I organized my 
talk or workshop into five messages is was really truly inspired by Stan Beard, who was our pastor that passed away this summer. But one thing that I absolutely loved about his teaching is that you would always walk out with a list. <laughs> and there's something about my personality type that loves the practical application. And I love walking out with like some s- real strategies. And so that was how I approached um, this talk is structuring it into five messages. So the first one that came up to me was to know whose you are. I think a lot of us think of who we are, but not whose we are. Um, So about me, I grew up sort of this like dreamy, romantic kid. Um, I spent a lot of time playing alone. I was the youngest of four kids. By a pretty good stretch, I was the youngest. So I had a lot of um, time to dream and think and play and imagine. And I I often thought about my future and my life. And I honestly dreamed a lot about wearing high heels. (laughs) And I thought a lot about my future love story. And um, so when I think back to like, who I was when I was a kid. That's sort of like to give you a picture the way I was. Um, I asked the women in my workshop to talk about who they are with each other. And so a lot of them said, well, I'm, you know, a publicist. I'm a mom. I'm a teacher. I'm, and they said, kind of said what they did and how they, that's how they identify themselves in the world. And I asked them to And I ask you to kind of think about who does God say you are? Um, Something that's just so beautiful that I came across in Matthew Henry's commentary on Genesis 3 is when God put Adam to sleep and he pulls out one of his ribs and creates woman. I mean, that's a really kind of a strange idea, right? Or a strange thing that happened. Um, But I think that we really need to pay attention to that. Matthew Henry said... Yet man, being made last of the creatures, as the best and most excellent of all, Eve's being made after Adam and out of him, puts an honor upon that sex as the glory of the man. If man is the head, she is the crown, a crown to her husband, the crown of the visible creation. The man was dust refined, but the woman was dust double refined, one removed further from the earth. Ladies, we are the crowns of God's creation. I just think that is so beautiful to think about. And I think about how special it is that Mary Magdalene was chosen to be the first evangelist. And that in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, she was the the sole consistent witness to Jesus' burial and resurrection. Um. So one thing I, I did that I thought was fun was I gave everyone a pop quiz. So pop quiz on Mary Magdalene. Cynthia, you're going to be my, my, okay, my guesser. Right. Okay. <laughs> true, or, <laughs> true or false? Mary Magdalene was Jesus' secret wife. False. Correct. Um, that is a lie that's been propagated in different movies. And a lot of people read Dan Brown's Da Vinci Code. And that was one of the, the lies further. There's no scriptural basis for that. True or false? Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. False. That's that's also correct. Um, there's no scriptural basis that she is the prostitute. Number three, which leads me to number three, which is true or false. Mary Magdalene is a woman who washes Jesus's feet with her hair at the end of Luke chapter seven. False. Um, tr- that you're you're correct. Um, <laughs> yes. A lot of people got that wrong, and I think that it's because in chapter seven that woman is mentioned right before we're introduced to Mary Magdalene. So. Um, you're so good. Did you go to seminary? <laughs> I did go to seminary. Yes. <laughs> Mary Magdalene is the patron saint of A, hairdressers, B, cosmeticians, C, gardeners, or D, all of the above. Oh, I don't know this one. I don't know patron saints. Okay. I didn't either. Um, so it's actually all of the above. And I asked one of my dear friends who's a Catholic um, what a patron saint is. And she explained to me, I love this idea. It's like a hero. So some a hero of the faith. So Mary Magdalene, to many people, is a hero. She lived her life faithfully. And as we explore her story, we're going to see how people like hairdressers, cosmeticians, and gardeners would see her as a hero. Um, okay, true or false, Mary Magdalene is the sole consistent witness to Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection in all four Gospels. I already gave it away. Yes. 
True. Tradition has it that after Jesus' resurrection, Mary Magdalene went to evangelize to the following places, Northern Africa, Syria, France, or the British Isles. I don't know tradition, but what were the three choices again? Uh, Northern Africa, Syria, France, or the British Isles. I'm going to say Syria or Northern Africa. Good guess, France, which is (laughs) why I really like Mary Magdalene. Because, because we all she's like smart. Um, who knows Wine, if that's true? Geez. But there, there, there is like a little small town in France. I can't remember the name anymore. But oh, um, that that claims to have her bones. Um, that she went there to evangelize the gospel. Um, that's their claim to fame. And oh, I just thought I, I liked her better and better after studying her a little bit. Um, yes or no? Last question. By the world standards, Mary Magdalene was fully qualified to be the first evangelist. Ooh, by the world standards. By the world standards. She was a Pharisee. She was no, n- no, no, none of yeah. those things, right? She she Not was by a the woman, world standards, Mm-mm. right? Because she was female, right? Um, and and what is kind of funny is that I am also not qualified by the world standards to give a talk about Mary Magdalene. Um, But God equips the called. And I was called and transformed by studying Mary Magdalene. So I want to get into that story. Um, I want to explain to you, too, that um, one, one hesitation I had about getting up and talking in front of people is that there are some days that I really identify with Lauren Daigle. A lot of you know her as the Amy Grant of our generation. She's this beautiful – she's almost like an angel on stage, right? She She's not like a cute angel. She's this tall, gorgeous, strong, powerful voice. Um, and when she sings, she radiates Christ's love. And there are days that – I've seen her twice in concert in the past year, but there are days that I feel like that too. You know, I'm like, oh, just like I'm radiating Christ's love and this feels so good. And then there are days um, I sh- I feel more like Miranda Lambert. Okay, so Miranda Lambert is this is also equally in her genre a really popular um, country music star. Um, she is real. She is raw. She does not mince words. She sings more about her vices than her faith, um, which I don't even really know where she stands in her faith. But there um, are a lot of days that I I feel like I identify more with her. So one of my favorite opening lines from one of her songs, which is called Running Just In Case, is um, there's trouble where I'm going, but I'm going to go there anyway. And um, that's sort of my life. And and I identify with Paul's duality, right? Like I keep on doing the thing I don't want to be doing. Um, And so... I think that we can kind of get stuck there in our identity. Um, do you struggle with this kind of identity crisis, crisis too? Maybe you're calling yourself mean things that you would never say to a friend or even an enemy. Like, I'm not thin enough. I'm angry. I'm judgmental. I'm weak. I'm unlovable. Or you're identifying yourself first by what you do, like we were talking about earlier, or where you're from or who you take care of. And I want you to just restart here. Um, I want you to think of a different identity for yourself. I want you to go back to what I was talking about with Matthew Henry and that you're a crown of creation. You are God's crown. Um, I want you to think that possibly um, you could be Allie, professional encourager, or Cynthia, glorifier of God's love. I have another thing, some other ideas, beauty generator, friend in crisis, fighter for justice, Beloved daughter of a king, joyful disciple, faithful friend, selfless servant, beautiful creation, minister of reconciliation. I want you to take a moment and think of yourself as whose you are, not who you are. You can pause the podcast if you'd like to think about this. So your first message is know whose you are. So tell us about your second message from Mary Magdalene. Sure. Um, I want to – the second message is start with healing. And this is actually where <clears throat> we first meet Mary in Scripture is in Luke chapter 8. And so I'm going to read that to you right now. Um, after this, Jesus traveled from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Now I'll just pause there. Um, The first time we meet Mary Magdalene, she's a demonic. She has demons and she's just been healed by Jesus. Um, 
and I know that you're the seminary student. So if you need to correct me on anything, please do. Um, I I really did try to research as many as much as I could um, in this, but yeah, of course I'm fallible and could get it wrong. But demon possession, when I thought of it, it made me think of the Exorcist, right? Um, but in ancient times, it could have meant a debilitating physical ailment like blindness, death, or epilepsy, or some kind of other mental health disorder. Um, in the Catholic imagination, the seven demons have been tied to the seven deadly sins, greed, gluttony, sloth, anger, pride, lust, and envy. So stop right there. You might be thinking, I'm, I'm not going to identify with this girl, Mary, right? Um, she's, I'm, I'm not murdering. I'm not a demonic. I don't steal. I don't sleep around. But I want you to consider perhaps her demonic possession as being weighted down by sin, and, and I want you to think of sin as the long bag of rocks that you drag behind you, what weighs you down, what separates you from those snippets and slivers of glorious joy, the angel on the stage, what separates you from that? God takes our sin quite seriously, and so should we. I really don't know why Mary Magdalene was possessed by demons or sin, but I imagine it started with a lie that she told herself. Sin starts with lies we tell ourselves. Eve believed the lie that she wouldn't die if she ate the fruit of the tree to be equal with God, which led to ultimate death, right? A life apart from Christ. Cain believed the lie that his brother got better treatment from God and his parents. Then this spiraled into anger and hatred, which led him to murder his brother. So sin starts with wrong thinking. These are lies we tell ourselves. What lies have you been telling yourself? Um, I'll tell you a little story that illustrates this point. But before I do that, I want you to know that during the course of researching Mary Magdalene, it led me to the work of a woman named Allison Armstrong, who's based out of Southern California. And her whole deal is celebrating men, which is so anti-cultural right now. But she loves the idea of rethinking how we look at men in our culture. And she's dedicated 30 years to research of really just studying men. And I love – she. I actually heard a podcast of hers and she said – you know what? I just wanted to live my life in love. She went through a divorce early in her life and then she remarried and she didn't want to make the same mistakes. And she just wanted to like understand her second husband and appreciate him and stay in love with him. And I thought that was so beautiful because it goes back to my own desire to have this like love letter life, this romance my whole life. Um, she has these five insights into men that I think are really important. If you take nothing away from today, other than these five insights about the men in your life, um, it could be your husband, could be your brother, your sons, your fathers. I think it's really super important. Um, number one, men are single focused, whereas women have diffuse awareness. We know that, right? We're better multitaskers than men. But men are specifically designed by God to be single focused. This is why I can't get my husband to stop doing a task that he's involved in in order to help me with something else. Or I can't grab his attention to have a conversation when he's in the middle of a task he's he's performing or doing. Um, the best example is like, He'll go to the grocery store for a piece of, I mean, a lo loaf of bread, and he'll come right back. I go to the grocery store, but on the way, I drop the dry cleaning off, and then I pick up 15 extra items at the grocery store that we need for, like, the week to come. And then I buy a birthday present for one of the kids' birthday parties that they're attending, and then I'm back two hours later, right? So we have diffuse awareness where they are single-focused. Number two, men need adventure. They crave adventure. Um, and women need to create beauty. So God's created us in a way that we – appreciate and see beauty everywhere. It could be in our homes. It could be in our appearances, but it could also be um, in building people up and having gorgeous, beautiful relationships. Um, men need adventure. Women need to create beauty. Number three, men are natural providers and protectors. This is their hard wiring. And it's hard for us to sometimes understand this deep need. And they not they don't necessarily communicate that to us all the time, that that's their motivation. But they are hardwired to be providers and protectors, and not just providers in a financial sense, but prov a provider for our needs. The miscommunication happens when they don't know what we need, <laughs> but they want to provide it for us. Number four, men need praise and admiration and respect, and women need to feel beloved, cherished, and appreciated. So those sound the same, but if you really think about them, if you really pick them apart, Men need praise, 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 praise. 
And women need to feel adored, right, cherished, loved. And it, that does look different. Number five, men are not hairy women who are misbehaving. They're not. They're not built like Love us. That one. It's hilarious. <laughs> they are not. They are not built like us. And in fact, the best question she she from her research that I gathered was to if your husband or someone a man in, a man in your life does something that you don't understand and that actually kind of irritates you or makes you mad, ask yourself or say, "There's a good reason for that. What's the good reason here? What is he? What might he be doing that's actually irritating me?" But he probably has a good reason for that. And that goes back to just the idea of assume the best, assume the best. So I'm going to tell you about a sore spot in my life, which is my marriage. Um, I guess to some people it may look like Matt and I have it all together, um, but we don't. And three years ago, we celebrated our 10-year anniversary in Punta Mita. It was the most lavish, luxurious most beautiful romantic setting I could have ever imagined. I mean, I'm not going to try to make anybody jealous here, but we had a personal butler and free margaritas <laughs> the whole time. Amazing. Um, yes, it was amazing. Um, we had like a photography session uh, scheduled. We had this beach bow renewal scheduled. And I just thought finally we would be away from all the noise and chaos of life and the kids. And he could really love me the way I needed to be loved. And it was like when we were there for a few days, none of that was happening. He didn't want to do the photography session, although I made him. Um, he, we canceled the vow renewal. And it was just, it, it was like a dashed crush dream, you know, that I, that I had. Um, and then there was this lie, this story that I had been telling myself since early on in our marriage started to come up on, on this trip, which was really sad because it was so gorgeous. But the lie was, he doesn't love me enough, or he doesn't love me the way I need to be loved. So I'm going to give you some examples through our marriage of this lie that I was telling myself. Um, number one, on our honeymoon in Bali, he surprised me with an overnight stay in an open-air palapa called um, Mix Place or Joe's Surf Hut or something like that. There were no walls. <laughs> Water came out of like a bamboo spigot. Um, I was devastated, and I thought, he doesn't even know me. He doesn't love me. How could he plan something so unluxurious. Um, number two, after I had our first baby, he made me go back to work full time. And I thought he doesn't understand me. I want to stay home. Um, number three, when we were trying to get pregnant with our second child, he would not let me take fertility drugs when I was growing impatient. And I thought he doesn't love me like he should. Um, number four, after the first year of marriage, love notes that he would write, he would write me every morning a love note. I would wake up like getting ready to go to work, he would already be surfing or taking pictures, which is what he did in the first year of marriage. And he would have written me like a little note on like, you know, I love you, Allie, because, and then some like reason, but it was my fuel, right? It was, but, it, but those stopped. And so I thought he just doesn't appreciate me anymore. Um, he refuses. So like, I'm really into, to research about being the best wife, best mom that I can possibly be. Um, it's how I'm wired. It's how I'm built. I've been like that since an early age. And he's refusing a lot of times to read any books with me or take any courses with me or seeing any counselors with me. And the lie that I've been telling myself is like, he's selfish. He doesn't care about growth. Um, what's wrong with this thinking is that these are all lies. Um, not one bit of it is true. So before the Palapa in Bali, the night before, there was a rose petal bath at the Four Seasons. He's just a man who craves adventure by going to that mixed place. <laughs> um, in 2009, there was, it was a year full of economic uncertainty when I had to go back to work. He didn't want to fail in providing for our family. Men are single-focused on being providers. And you know what else men are single-focused on? Being protectors. When he said no fertility drugs, that meant he was protecting his wife from potential future illnesses or disease in his mind. Um, number four, those daily love notes actually turned into long love letters that were written three times a year for birthdays, anniversaries, and Christmases. Um, I ended up putting them all into like a big book together. He knows my love language is words, and he works hard to provide that for me to make me feel loved. Number five, he's growing closer to God every day. Who am I to judge how he does that? What works for me, classes, counseling, books, 
podcasts may not work for him. He's a man after all, not a misbehaving hairy woman. (laughs) So I believe that living a beloved life starts with healing. It starts with admitting our sin, the lies we've been believing, whether they have any tough relationship in our lives, not just our marriages. It could be any relationship where you're having conflict. What lie are you believing about that other person? And then it's asking God to forgive you and asking for healing in that relationship. So I'm going to ask you to think right now about writing a letter to God. I want you to say the words, I was wrong to believe blank about who? I was wrong to believe that Matt didn't love me enough. This must have made me or them feel blank. I mean, when I think about the way that my criticism, uh, even my inner criticism, not even voiced, must have made him feel through the years, it's, it's heartbreaking. It's absolutely heartbreaking. And in the future, I will, I'm going to try to, you know, I'm working on giving Matt a lot of, a lot more grace. And understanding men and realizing he's not trying to intentionally hurt me. Um, and I'm going to be better about communicating my needs. Will you please forgive me? And I'm asking God for his forgiveness. And, and I, I did this process. Um, I've done it with Matt. And I, and I find that I have to keep repeating the process. Because now what I'll do is instead of believing the lie and swallowing it, when Matt does something that um, makes me feel unloved, I actually say that out loud to him. I'll say, and I got that from Brene Brown, actually. I'll say, the story I'm telling myself right now is. And then he'll be like, what? I didn't mean it that way. Of course, I don't. I didn't mean that you're a bad house cleaner because there's sugar in the pantry and there are ants. You know, he doesn't mean those things that I'm projecting onto him. So take a, take a second right now and write a letter to God um, asking to be healed. This is so good, Allie. I am writing down notes right now so that afterwards I can go back and do this pondering myself. That's so awesome. ladies, I do really encourage you to pause this podcast um, as you're going and to spend some time um, with the self-reflection that Allie is bringing up. Uh, we're just going to keep on going because that's the nature of a podcast. Um, but I would love it for you listeners to really spend this time doing the introspection along the way. So um, the first message was know whose you are the second was it starts with healing and then the third message you took from mary magdalene is what show up um this has been like the biggest predictor of success in any area where i want to grow in life and that's such a cliche because isn't there that quote 80 percent of life is showing up but it's so true if i felt lonely or disconnected from an organization or not involved in my career or not involved in my family the first rule is to show up and that is what mary magdalene does and i love it so the next time we meet mary this is in john chapter 20 verses 1 through 18 and this is really like the good part of mary magdalene's story i love it um she's healed right She's been given a new name because in Luke, it says that she's called Magdalene, which is actually her hometown, which is kind of cool. She's no, she's not Mary, son of somebody, Mary, wife of, no, she's Mary called Magdalene, like almost like a nickname, like your hometown, like, hey, hey, H-Town. I don't know. Like, I just think that's so cool that she's been given a nickname. She's been given a new life too. We don't know if she was a mother or even married because while most other women in the New Testament are attached to men, like I was talking about, she stands alone. Was she wealthy? How did she support or provide for Jesus and his disciples? We simply don't know, but we know she is now called Magdalene. Um, So we go from demons to healing, and now what next? Mary shows up. She gave up her home, her comfort, her family to follow Jesus. We read in John chapter 20, verse 1. Early in the morning on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone was moved away from the entrance. Now, this is obviously... Um, at Jesus's tomb. Okay. She sees that the stone was moved away. She ran at once to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, breathlessly panting. They took the master from the tomb. We don't know where they've put him. You guys, Mary had been with Jesus all the way. She had seen lives made new, bodies healed, and eyes opened. She had heard the complaining of the disciples and the criticism of the religious leaders, the crowds that adored him, the rulers that 
revealed him, you know, rebuked him and hated him. She stood under the cross as they killed him, and her heart was absolutely broken. Now it was all over. Her heart was heavy, and in her soul, it was still dark. And that's from the first verse. It was still dark, and she showed up. She got out of bed. She she went there by herself. What a brave woman. And can't we all relate? We all have our days when we stand with dreams and shambles around our feet. Our husbands say they're leaving. Our children go astray. Pink slips come. Lab tests come back positive. Creditors call. There's a quote I really love. Anyone can walk in the sunshine, but only the faithful can walk in the dark. In fact, if you have blood in your veins and skin on your bones, you will have some darkness. No one has all sunshine. Remember that all sunshine produces a desert, not a garden. So Mary simply shows up to be with Jesus, despite what she loses, despite the pain and heartbreak. And I want to ask you a question. What are you giving up to be with Jesus, to follow him? What could you do to show up in that relationship? That relationship with Jesus is more important than your relationship with your husband. It's more important than your relationship with your kids. We're told in scripture, put me first again and again and again. Um, When times are dark in our marriages or significant relationships, and they will be, are we showing up? Are we checking in? Are we being brave by asking questions? Or are we walking in offense at our unmet expectations? Are we, which is what I was doing, by the way, are we noticing what isn't done instead of what is? Are we retreating to our phones instead of entering into tough conversations? Um, I, I realized in the course of this that um, I was completely addicted to Instagram. And I would be scrolling through it at all times, even just the stories that would pop up. But, you know, I was missing out on so many potential um, interactions and conversations. And so when huge, it sounds so silly, but it has been huge. I took Instagram off my phone um, and I feel not just like I have more time, a lot more time, which is sad, but I also feel like I'm less distracted. So that's one way that I've chosen to that's not been easy because we live in this world where like if you don't if you're not on Instagram you don't really know what's going on in people's lives and so when you see them it's a different conversation because they're like don't you know I was skiing last weekend or whatever um so it's just it's an interesting thing but it's been really powerful in both my relationship with Jesus and the relationships that I have in my home so my question is um Are we bearing resentments and letting them fester there, preparing to serve and love and encourage these men in our lives? I want you to right now think of um, something that you could give up to spend more time either with Jesus or be less distracted in your relationships. Show up. So again, ladies, go ahead and take a pause and um, consider that question for a moment. Where do you need to show up? And then we're going to continue on into message number four from Mary Magdalene. So Mary, this is one, this one of my favorites. Okay. Mm -hmm. So Allie, give us Mm -hmm. message number four. Mm -hmm. So as we continue in the gospel of John verses 11 through 16, but Mary stood outside the tomb weeping as she wept, she knelt to look into the tomb and saw two angels sitting there dressed in white, one at the head, the other at the foot of where Jesus's body had been laid. They said to her, Woman, why do you weep? They took my master, she said, and I don't know where they put him. After she said this, she turned away and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't recognize him. Jesus spoke to her, Woman, why do you weep? Who are you looking for? She, thinking that he was the gardener, (laughs) which just makes me love her, said, Mister, if you took him, tell me where you put him so I can care for him. Jesus said, Mary. Turning to face him, she said in Hebrew, Raboni, meaning teacher. Bruner says that this is Jesus' shortest sermon, saying the word Mary. Isn't it beautiful? I just love this story. I love that he chose a woman to appear to first. I love the personal touch and compassion of him asking these questions. And I love that he says her name, Mary. Bruner says, the good shepherd knows his sheep and calls them by name and his sheep know his voice. This one word spoken by the most significant person she had ever known changed her whole life. In the one or two seconds this turn took, I imagine the world shifting ever so slightly on its axis and history moving from BC to AD. 
We go from the deepest of human despair at inconquerable death to the deepest possible of human elation at the personal presence of the death-conquering risen Lord. Have you ever experienced Christ in such a personal way? I want to go back to that tender firsthand encounter when Mary thought he was the gardener. (laughs) I just think that's so good. God's always making me laugh in scripture. Um, It's no coincidence that both the angels and Jesus ask her, why are you crying? It's a compassionate question for a grieving person. He doesn't say like, pull it together, woman, or (laughs) just a question that you ask a grieving person. It's not advice. It's not brush it off. It's asking a really beautiful question. Um, I want you to note Mary's single-minded bravery. She weeps at the tomb while it's still dark. By herself, she's a woman. She peers inside the tomb. She's not overcome with fear by the angels. Angels often say, fear not, as the first word in scripture when they appear to someone. These are not cherubs, like Paul was talking about this Sunday. These are not little cute cherub things. These are warriors of God. Um, And she's not overcome with fear by them. Mary wants to see Jesus, and she continues to show up. That's why they say that if you have Magdalenic faith, it is powerful and persistent. Um, This tender question, why do you weep? Who are you looking for? She's gone there expecting answers, expecting to prepare his body for burial. The same way that I went into my marriage or motherhood or my early 20s with sky-high expectations. I know why she's weeping. These are unmet expectations. These are dashed hopes. These are crushed dreams. I'm going to tell you a little story. Last spring, Matt and I showed up to our annual La Jolla Prez marriage retreat. And about halfway through the morning, our speaker asked us to turn to our spouses and discuss what he had been talking about. And he'd actually been talking about expectations. And what he said struck struck such a nerve with me, which I interpreted to be, you shouldn't have expectations. Um, That's entitlement. And I don't know if it was conviction. It felt like anger. It felt um, like I was really disappointed that he wasn't talking about how my husband could change. (laughs) to be a better husband. Um, that's just the God honest truth. I couldn't even speak at that discussion part. I was just pouring down tears. And I actually left the conference and went in the parking lot by myself and climbed into this old Tahoe that we have that actually it's a 2004 car and it was my dad's. My dad passed away 10 years ago of alcoholism. And Whenever I climb into that car, I feel like I'm like sitting with my dad or like getting a hug or sitting on his lap. And it's, you know, I'm just crying in the car like, oh, this is just not this marriage, this life. This is not like it's not working. You know, it's not what I wanted it to be. It's not what I thought it was going to be. And I was just so deeply sad. Um, This realization that things weren't the way I had dreamed they would be. Grieving my father's absence, it still does pull me under the waves sometimes. And dealing with the pressures of motherhood is a lot harder than I thought. And where, oh where, this is what was going on in my brain, is that love letter marriage that I dreamed about. Because being a wife has been harder than I ever imagined. And many days, I do not feel adored or appreciated or understood. So the rest of the one-day marriage retreat was super fun. <laughs> um, the, it wasn't. It was terrible. And Matt, I'm sure, was very embarrassed by his sobbing wife. Um, but he did come into the car after me during that break. And he, he asked me, like, a similar question. Like, why are you crying? Why are you weeping? Um, what can I do? And I really didn't know how to answer him. I just kept thinking, and I'm sure it was the Lord saying, just you need to go see a counselor. Like, these are not functional, healthy thoughts. You need to go see a counselor. So I want you to fast forward four weeks in that spring. Matt took our big girl skiing um, over Memorial Day weekend, and I was with just the baby, which was such a nice break. Mm -hmm. And um, the baby was still sleeping. Imagine I'm on my deck. The sun is rising. I've just decided to talk about Mary Magdalene. So I have my Bible open. I'm about to read the story for really the first time specifically studying her. Um, And 
I've got my coffee and the two questions that just pop up for me, it's almost as if they were like, this sounds kind of weird, but um, kind of glowing. Like they really came out of the Bible for me, which were, woman, why are you weeping? And who are you looking for? And the answers that stay in that silence that morning were that I'm looking for the dad whose adoration I never had. And I'm looking for the husband whose adoration I wish I had. And I imagine Jesus next to me, one arm around my shoulder, and he's whispering, it's me. Look to me. And I don't know, that sounds kind of hokey maybe, but it was a real experience. And the other thing he said was, go get the book. And I'm like, I have the Bible right here, Jesus. <laughs> like, what book? What other book do you want me to, to go find? And, and I realized he was telling me to go get that book of letters that Matt has written me for during the course of our entire marriage. You, you have no idea. I brought the book to the workshop to show everyone, but these are, this is a man, I would define Matt as a man of few words. He doesn't, he's not verbose. <laughs> um, but he has written me every, t- every year, three times a year, single spaced, full page, like maybe 10 point font letters about how he loves me. And I spent the rest of that weekend reading through those single spaced lines. I mean, I have to tell you that I have to overlook the grammar and the spelling sometimes. <laughs> He's the math guy and I'm the English teacher, but who cares? He loves me and everything changed for me that day. Everything changed in that experience because I am living a well-loved and deeply felt love letter life. So I want you to imagine right now that Jesus is putting his arm around you. He's going to speak your name. He's going to say Cynthia. And, and I want you to write a letter to yourself from Jesus. What does he say to you? Would he ask you the questions, why are you weeping? Who or what are you looking for? Might he ask you to do something? You can pause the podcast if you want to write a letter to yourself from Jesus. Oh, this is so good, Allie. Oh my gosh. I'm... You have me in like deep thought (laughs) about my own self, my own marriage, my own expectations. This is so good. I'm excited to take some time after this and like get my journal and think through these questions. Um, For now, let's keep going and get to your fifth and final message from Mary Magdalene. So tell us what the fifth one is. Sure. I love this one. This one is get up and go. Um, in Texas, we say giddy up. Okay. So this is the end of Mary Magdalene's story. And I think it's beautiful if it's a little weird. Um, mine is also beautiful um, and also still a little weird. So um, Jesus says to finish up our, our scripture, Jesus said, okay, imagine. So he's just said her name. She falls to his feet saying Raboni, teacher, like, which is a very endearing term. She's, her whole life has changed. He's risen, you know? And this is what he says. He says, don't cling to me for I have not yet ascended to the father. Go to my brothers and tell them I ascend to my father and your father, my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went telling the news to the disciples. I saw the master and she told them everything he said to her. So when he says, don't touch me, basically, but go tell my brothers the good news, this really puzzled and surprised me. Um, and I'm not the only one, obviously. Um, I just thought, Jesus, you're the epitome of compassion and love. Can't you just like give her a hug <laughs> you know, and then send her on her way? But then I had to relook at this as this is his great commission, right? This is his message to all of us. Don't wallow in your sadness or even your delight get going, right? This is good news. He's commanding us to move, get up and go, giddy up. Mary heard 
Jesus. She giddy-upped, and she was the first to tell of Jesus' resurrection and start spreading the good news that we do not have to live a life in bondage to our bag of rocks. That sin that entangles us um, every day, that Miranda Lambert person identity that I identify with, I do not have to stay stuck in that. I can I can ask for forgiveness. I can show up to be with Jesus, and I'm living a different life every minute. I have the choice to do that. So through Jesus, Mary Magdalene changed the world. Um, I <laughs> My story is that my husband and I have been doing these date nights since this big transformation, and that's been really powerful. It's been like the glue that holds us together. So one of our dates this fall was to go to Torrey Pines and play a little golf. I say play loosely. Anyway, at dinner at the grill, Matt has this funny thing. He doesn't like to order from waiters. He likes to order from the bar. So we went into the bar, and he was gone for a good 30 minutes. And I'm sitting outside by the fire pits like, I wonder if he's going to bring the food back with him or why, you know, why is this taking so long? And he actually did come back with food with him. <laughs> I was like, what's up? Why? This is supposed to be our date night. Um, and he was really shaken up. And he said, I've been talking to this guy at the bar for the past 20 minutes. He was, um, he's here on a vacation. He was supposed to be on with his wife, but his wife died in a car accident you know, two months ago and he had already bought the trip. So he's here by himself and we just don't know how much time we have. You know, we both kind of walked away. Like we got to love each other. We got to fight through this and do the best we can. Um, which made me think of Mary Magdalene, right? Because she just, she just went. She was a messenger of God's infinite, compassionate, death defying love to one another, whether she went to France or not, it doesn't matter. Um, she changed the course of human history through the Lord. Um, do we think like one way that I think of myself as being a messenger of God is that I really think it's important to encourage people. Do we really think that there are people walking around over encouraged, like they're over appreciated? Like, gosh, I just got too much adoration and appreciation today. Like no way. No way. So I want to wrap this up by asking you to think of a person in your life who needs a lift. It could be a friend, a daughter. It could be your husband um, who needs evidence of God's great love. And I want you to send them a text, an email, or even better, a handwritten letter about how awesome they are, how much they lift and encourage and are teaching you or teaching other people um, because that's, that's, that's what we're called to do. So you can take a second to do that. Um, I think that that's a really good way to wrap it up. Um, the last thing I want to say is that um, Miranda, my girl, um, you know what? It, it, it's it gone. It, you can wrap it up there. Sorry. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Some things are left in the past. Yeah. Um, but I do have another question for you, Allie, because um, your seminar just – got incredible feedback at the conference. It seemed to resonate just really deeply mm-hmm. with women. Um, and I was just curious if you have any observations of why you think um, maybe this message just resonated so deeply with the women who were there. Well, thank you for saying that. Um, all credit and glory to God, right? But I think that we're living in a culture where men are not celebrated and actually they're really being emasculated. And I think that what I have been really pondering is that that's not, that's not the way it's supposed to be. We need more balance. Uh, yes, women are amazing and they are the crowns. We are the crowns of creation. That's beautiful. But men are really amazing too. And, and they need to be respected and celebrated. Um, and I think that there's a lot of imbalance there. And so I think that that's one thing that maybe resonated with, with people, um, that we need to approach men differently. We can't have the same expectations for men that we do for our best friends. They're not, that's not the same thing. Um, and I just, I feel like marriage is something that is hard and we don't really love to, to talk about how hard it can actually be. Um, it's, it's a lot easier to bury ourselves in our phones or just like join the girl talk about how our husbands are like our fourth kid, you know, when really um, it's better to take it on. That's awesome. 
Um, and it's also now been some months since you originally gave the talk in October. We're recording this in January. Um, have you had any other further insights or observations personally mm. that you want to share? Sure. When one idea that kind of came to me when I we we were we've been feeling really in love since all of this transpired in our marriage, and and I am so thankful for that. It's it feels like a miracle. It feels like an answered prayer that I've been praying for for many, many years. But this past month has actually been really hard. Um, and I know that we're still in love. And and just one thing I keep going back to is because my default mode is to assume the worst, I have to go – I have to communicate my needs to Matt. And I have to say the lie I'm telling myself right now is – and then that usually will get us out of any sort of deep, dark spiral. <laughs> um and so continuing to, to pray for that miracle to continue to unfold in our lives and not going on autopilot mm. with it. That's really good. That's a great line to use. That's a great line for us to use, for our husbands to use mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a great line. I'm going to begin I'm gonna begin thinking about how to bring that into my conversation more too. Um, well, thank you, Allie. Thank you. I'm so thankful to have you as a friend and an ally who loves Jesus like you do, um, who loves the Word of God mm. like you do, and just really values your role as a wife and mother. It's really beautiful. So thank you for being willing to be authentic and share your story here. Um, I know it's going to continue to encourage many, many women. So thank you. Thanks, Cynthia. Thanks for listening, ladies. Join us each Friday as we post a new hashtag mom life podcast. I want you to be encouraged in your journey with Jesus. Know that you're loved. Your kids were given to you by an incredible creator and you're the best mama for your little people. I encourage you ladies to put your trust in Jesus and therefore be able to be present with your family, trusting that God is good and has good plans in store for you and your kids. And I encourage you to enjoy your kids today. Have fun being a mom. Sometimes we have to remind ourselves to do that. If you find these podcast conversations encouraging and helpful, please subscribe and share them with a friend and give us a positive review on iTunes. You can find out more about today's episode, show notes from our discussion, and listen into past conversations at momlife.ljpress.org. Hashtag momlife is a ministry of La Jolla Presbyterian Church. Today's episode was produced by myself and Jim Sedgwick, and I'm your host, Cynthia Blaze. I pray that you can see the wonderful presence of God in your life today.